1: Hello and welcome, you're listening to May Contain Trace of Soy, the podcast all about surviving and thriving on a plant-based, zero-waste lifestyle. I'm your host, Rochelle, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be talking about minimalism. Minimalism as a lifestyle movement, um, it's been around for a while now, but basically it means rejecting consumerism and living your life with a lot of purpose. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, about reducing your belongings, all that kind of stuff. I've got a great interview coming up with my friend, Angelique. She's going to be on the podcast. We did the interview via Zoom. So there's a couple of points where the audio is not great. Please forgive that. But uh, yeah, here it is. And I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we are going to be talking about minimalism. And I'm joined by my friend Angelique, who is a minimalist. She's been at this quite a while now. I would say nearing on 10 years, which is a long time to be down that journey. I've been flirting with minimalism myself for about six months. Um, And the whole point of minimalism is to reject consumerism and move towards a more thoughtful life, a life with intention. So Leek, talk us through why minimalism for you? Why was that the right choice?
2: Hi, and firstly, thank you for having me on your show. Very excited to be Thank involved. you for being on. It's, it's okay. It's my pleasure. So I'm going to answer your first question, which, is, which was <laughs> um, how did I arrive to minimalism? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've had some chats about this and my sort of entry into minimalism has been very unconventional and also unintentional. I did not mean for those to rhyme, just coincidental, Um, (laughs) but it just sort of happened uh, naturally. And this might be a little bit of a strange take on minimalism, For some people, because I think a lot of people go in with the eco thing, the political thing, anti-capitalism, all of that sort of thing. Um, But for me, weirdly enough, I had two parents who were extreme hoarders. So growing up, I had a lot of junk around. It was very chaotic, very distracting. I found it really disruptive um, psychologically. It affected me in a lot of ways mentally. So when I left home, I think I took a bit of a strange relationship with objects with me. And I think I have been deprogramming ever since. So I think that was my first sort of stepping stone along that path um, to having basically nothing, which is where we'll get to later (laughs) when we talk about what I have now. But yeah, I definitely had sort of a strange relationship with inanimate objects. So I think I, I definitely had sort of deep connections with things that didn't really matter. So I, I often would find that I would keep a lot of really cheap bric-a-brac and that kind of thing, just to feel comfortable. Um, so after a while, when I really started to assess that and I started getting rid of those things, I started to feel a bit more emancipated from sort of that psychological struggle of having all of that junk. And I think it sort of, I started to notice that I had less anxiety in my environment. Um, so it really started there. That's probably the first the first starting point. Going through that, being a renter, I definitely have lived in a lot of houses and through lots of you know long-term relationships, having lost count of how many houses I've lived in. And as you all know out there, people who are renting and moving a lot, it's kind of a harrowing process having to load up trucks and pack up boxes and labeling boxes and just this whole you know, sort of laborious process of, of carting things around with you that started to really get on my nerves. And I started to notice that each time I would move, I would be like, I'm not doing that again, um, but would end up in a similar situation where I would still have too much. So I think that also carried me through the process of being like, all right, next time I do this, it's going to be fast. It's going to be efficient. It's going to be essentials only. So really, when you say nearing on 10 years, it has been like 10 years of that kind of behavior and really assessing um, every time that I'm moving or have moved, what I really need to be taking with me. So that's kind of really, I think the linchpin for what got me to this place that I am at now, which is really owning very, very, you know, a very small amount of personal belongings.
1: Yeah, I'd love to get you to describe exactly how much you own. But before we get to that, I think that your wording was really interesting before when you said that you accumulated a lot of bric-a-brac and had a lot of items purely because it made you feel comfortable. You needed these items to feel comfortable. Do you think that people are quite uncomfortable being in an empty space with just themselves? Do you think that's one of the issues that we have and that's why we flock towards owning a lot of items and brick it back and why we are so caught up in a consumerist culture. Like my life is, you know, not complete or not okay without these items that make it feel homely where I live and that kind of thing.
2: Definitely. Yeah. That is, that's a really complex topic. And I have no judgment towards people who feel like they need to have a lot of things around for it. So for some people they've come from having owned nothing and for a really sort of a strange example of that would be um people who have come from maybe like war-torn places in in different countries where they've had nothing so therefore they have were, were your
1: parents from a war-torn place because you mentioned before that they were hoarders as yeah. a result of
2: that mm. yes there is a direct link there yeah <laughs> I'm <laughs> so sorry, that's like, very
1: personal of me. I shouldn't ask yeah, the that question.
2: <laughs> no, no, we should make it interesting because I don't know how many other people out there have my situation, my setup. Um, but there's definitely got to be a few people who know about this. But um, yeah, I guess so my mother came from Cyprus and uh, lived in a place called Famagusta, which, um, experienced a Turkish invasion. Um, so that was in the sixties. So she grew up with basically absolutely nothing and kind of having to really, really struggle to have food and and really basic objects. So that was like a really big struggle for her. So I think that is a huge, there actually is quite a lot of, it's not a maybe, there's quite a lot of research into, you know, people who've been through those sort of traumatic experiences they will tend to hoard and have a lot and I think it's part of that is preparedness in case that situation happens again but I think it's also just a comfort thing so that is one extreme and probably more rare um, example of a hoarder Um, but if you look at it just on a standard western consumerism level yes I think people probably do struggle just to have very little because I think Mm. that there is a broad a broader issue with people kind of having really no purpose or meaning in their lives and I think that that's where the big companies kind of play on us because it sort of it gives us something to do I mean there's like a lot of there's a lot of culture in online shopping especially for women Uh, you know, we link each other things that we want. And there's this kind of growing obsession with having new shiny things. Uh, But I, I think, yeah, like I, I'm definitely guilty of being in that group in the past.
1: I think even Um, as like someone who moves towards zero waste and minimalism, there are items that I covet because they represent this zero waste life that I want to live. So eco-friendly products that I eventually want to get. The reality is I'm still coveting like items that I don't need yet. I mean, I should use up what I have, but even within a zero waste community, even within a minimalist community, you can still end up sort of playing into consumerist culture because they're marketing off of that identity that you, you know, sort of have.
2: Yes. Oh, 100%. 100% yeah it's it's you've got to combat that all the time it kind of never goes away because it's so deeply ingrained I'm not going to be able to remember this statistic at all but one of my previous bosses at an environmental charity that I worked for explained on average how many uh, marketing style advertisements that we'd be exposed to visually and In terms of really what we see on television, how deeply ingrained that is for us to really need products, whether they are useful or not. So, yeah, there's a deep element of that. For me personally, I feel like I've become immune to it now because I do have such a strict kind of setup where I have to really analyze every little tiny thing that comes into my life. So uh, if I, if I hear an ad or see an ad or someone suggests something, especially when people give me things, I'm like, "Mm, this is not going to work for me because it's just like that. I got
1: you to accept a bag this year. Like that's probably the first thing I've given you in a really long time. That's not just a consumable item that you were like, I will accept this. This is food and I will eat it and it will be gone. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah, I um that's a really good example actually. So you gave me a handbag that you were using. So you bought this bag, I don't know, I'm guessing a couple of years ago for travel and have since become vegan. It's a leather product, so not something that you're using. Um, and it's a bag that I love and will use. And so that's a, definitely a gifting repurposing situation. And that's, it's really, really rare that I will take anything, but I love oh, it's
1: such a nice bag though. Like, I mean, I don't want to use it anymore because it is leather, but it was a $300 bag that was made out of, you know, good quality leather. And I bought it specifically because I was going to Europe and it was a crossbody bag. And I actually read somewhere that you should buy leather if you're going to wear a crossbody bag while you're traveling overseas in high tourist areas, because they can't cut it off your body easily to steal it. So that was why oh. I bought it in the first place.
2: Wow. I did not know that. That is super handy to know for my future travels. Thank you. Thank you That's for right. that. That, that <laughs> multi-purpose bag is beautiful. And actually, so what I did is I already had a leather handbag but have found a new, I have, I, I'm still holding on to it, but because of the COVID restrictions at the moment and not being able to go and see people, I haven't been able to take it to the person I'm giving it to, but I already checked with several people. Hey, do you want this handbag before I went and donated it? Um, which would have been finally what what I would have done if nobody wanted it, but that's a really good, that's a really good uh, example because um, I can't hold on to two of the same items. To me, that is totally unnecessary.
1: So it's one in, one out for you as a minimalist. You do mm. not want to have extra clutter. One in, one out. If you're taking a new handbag, the next handbag goes.
2: Totally. Yeah. And I apply that to a lot of things. There, there are certain things for me, and we'll get to that later, but there are certain things for me where I don't mind having a lot of it because it's something that I'm using or I love, <laughs> I'm passionate about. An example of that would be um, Polaroid film. Never have enough Polaroid film, so I could have 30 cartridges of Polaroid film, but I know for a fact that I'm going to use it. I love it, it's a hobby, it's something that I um, see as an art form, so I don't mind having a lot of that. Uh, However, two leather handbags totally unnecessary, and you know, I my handbag was also very expensive. And yes, I could put it online and try and sell it, but I have sort of a more um, I don't know really what category that falls under, but I'd rather just sort of put it back out there and give it to a friend or, you know, try to, try to put some value into gifting it to someone, which is what you did. So thank you.
1: Yeah. I think reduce, reuse, recycle. Like, you know, we, we hear that all the time, but that's that in action, you know, in conjunction with minimalism is you're not going to sort of just get rid of an item. It can have another life somewhere else. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the point of being a zero waste minimalist, which is different to just a minimalist as they are two different concepts. Um, would you like to go into talking about exactly how many items you have left now? You said it's been a 10 year journey. You've been on this long journey. It's been mental health. It's been all kinds of things. (sighs) Bit by bit, you've built up. There's been less and less as a result of moving from different places and wanting to reduce what you have to carry from place to place. Where are Mm -hmm. you at now with your items? How much do you own personally?
2: So current status is I have a carry-on bag and in that carry-on bag is my capsule wardrobe. So everything that I could possibly ever need to wear, which includes a fancy outfit, which is maybe not like that fancy, but something that could I could wear out with heels. Um, but I have like one really nice dress. I have a pair of jeans, you know, the staples underwear, one bra, Uh, My toiletries, pajamas, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I've kept it very simple but very livable. And once you do learn how to live on that capsule wardrobe, you start to realize that you really don't need that much. And there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of, there, I definitely do still have a lot of impulses in terms of wanting to buy clothing, but I have to really assess. And that's where the swapping thing comes into play. So, I could go, oh, cool, like I do want that product, but I will swap it out for that other thing and donate it or gift it. So there is always that vetting process. So what I have is a carry-on bag, uh, which is exactly what that is. So it can fit in overhead if I want to travel with it, which is another purpose I got it for because uh, travel is a long-term goal. Um, I have a storage tub and I think we spoke about this recently, but actually it's a, it's a restricted uh, tub in which if everything else that doesn't fit into the carry-on if it doesn't fit into the carry-on and it doesn't fit into the tub then I have to assess where that's going in terms of getting rid of it because that's my limit so I have the carry-on the storage tub and my digital filing system uh that I have upgraded recently is limited to a I think it's a one terabyte rugged case hard drive so it's nice and sturdy. Uh, if it's not an official document, this is just going into tips now, but mm-hmm. um, so for me, obviously birth certificate, um, original documents that qualifications that you will definitely need to have always keep those. So I've got those in a folder, but that's a very s- sort of slick, small system, uh, passports in there and a hard drive. So I previously being a very fastidious person would keep. A record of almost every bit of paperwork from leases and all that kind of thing. But a lot of those things actually can be scanned and just turned into data. So I went and digitized my entire filing system and threw everything out, shredded what I didn't need uh, that wasn't essential. So now I have an even smaller filing system. So I would I would describe what I own now as carry-on bag, storage tub, and a very small filing system.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. So How's your thinking changed from day to day? I mean, because obviously you start in a place where you're used to being around a lot of items, you're used to feeling comfortable with um, a lot of items around. And then once you start that minimalism journey, it moves to a place where perhaps having a lot of items starts to feel more suffocating. How's your thinking mm. changed over that period?
2: Uh, so I, I do think more about waste now. And like I said, originally, it wasn't an eco thing to start with, but it has definitely manifested into that over time. I would still say that mental health is a pretty huge component uh, of minimalism for me, but it makes me really consider uh, like the feelings of being overwhelmed by junk. That is something that I, I, you know, once you've experienced that and just considering how long it's taken me to really achieve the goal of having what I, you know, m- minimizing is definitely a challenge. Um, so I would hate to go backwards. So my, the way that it's changed my thinking uh, is it's definitely made me look at it. it you, you really stand back and you do witness a lot of impulse buying. You see a lot of trash. Like even when you see donation bins, life the Lifeline they're always overflowing and you can see that people have a huge issue with, uh, fast fashion and impulse buying, so it makes you really look at that kind of thing, which kind of takes you down the other thought process of buying quality over quantity and buying things that are going to last for you know six to eight years rather than things that you're you know just going to have for one season. So it makes you think definitely about the environmental repercussions. You can't not think about it, really. Uh, however, yeah, mostly I can't imagine being overwhelmed by junk ever again. It's something that I am constantly aware of. So yeah, everywhere I go and everything that I do, I have to, I spend a few extra minutes uh, in purchasing situations, really analyzing what what the purpose of that object is and where it's going. So I don't know, it might seem mad to some people, but it works for me.
1: Well, I mean, I think everyone's sort of lifestyles, uh, they're so vastly different from one person to the next. And you have people who have, so much stuff, but that makes them happy, you know, having that amount of stuff. So good for them, mm. continue on your totally. way. Um, yes. And then for other people, it's much more sort of, you know, you start to, I think – Once you start to reduce what you have in your home, once you start to sort of cut back on how many items you do have, because the way I sort of started my minimalism journey was because mostly I wanted to get rid of some lurking junk that was in the house in the sense that you, you move somewhere, you accumulate some bits and pieces that you don't need. You see them sitting around you're like, I'm going to get around to cleaning and tidying this place really good and getting everything organized. And once I started doing that, I just realized I don't want to have a bunch of stuff that I don't need. Um, and it did definitely help me kind of start to cut back on items. Think about why have I got two of this item? I don't need two of these things. Like I reduced my wardrobe white right down and, you know, kitchen items and everything. And (laughs) that's just Daniel walking behind in the background. You might remember him from the inaugural podcast. Um, top five five tips for new vegans. Anyway. um, Yeah. So I think once you start to think about that, you really start to sort of question what are the role of these items in your life and are they important to you or do they sit around and have you thinking about why you're not doing this? Um, Like when you have sort of, art supplies sitting around for example and you go I'm not using these art supplies and now I feel guilty about not using the art supplies I need to make the choice am I still doing this is this still a hobby that brings me any happiness or is this something that's in the past me now and this reminder is not helpful and these supplies can go to someone who can use them to create art so those little bits and pieces really start to come together in your head. And now I love that we have a donation box set up permanently. It's such a great tip. It came from Angelique. So thanks, Lake.
2: Totally welcome.
1: <laughs> and uh, having the donation box means that I'm constantly looking around. And if I see an item that I've not used for six months or more, and I don't think I'm going to use it, I'm like, you know what, that item goes in the donation box. Cause I am not using yes. that.
2: <laughs> yes. And it's still sitting in your house, but it's a really awesome way of doing the best that you can and waiting for the longest period of time to try and make sure that it goes somewhere where it will be used. And that is where avoiding putting junk in landfill comes into it. So that is really, really cool. And eventually you might get to the point where it's been there for a year and you can't handle it being there anymore and you might take it to an op shop at that stage. But I would say that taking things to an op shop would be my last option. I would definitely start start with friends and start with putting things up for free on the marketplace and Gumtree. And then from there, if that fails and you're just, you know, sitting on a bunch of junk, then it might be time to sort of see if it could be taken to a.
1: Oh, I a 100% taxi. agree because I think that people don't realize um, they think I'm donating it to an op shop that goes to a good cause. Someone will buy this and the money made from it will go to this cause that I care about. You all need to quick reality check. the majority of stuff that you're sending to the op shop is not getting sold when it's not sold after a certain amount of time it becomes junk and it goes to landfill it's not mm. going to a good home it's not necessarily supporting that charity, especially if it doesn't get sold. Um, you should always look to gift to friends before you know just sort of an op shop because they might decide that it can't be sold anyway and it ends up in the scrap pile. And you are then still contributing to landfill. So look for a way for it to have another life for sure. But I'd love now, Leek, um, to get your tips for people who want to start pursuing more of a minimalist lifestyle. Okay.
2: Well, I I, I would not say that I'm an expert, but definitely I will tell you things that have worked for me. And also just drawing from some tips of... Other friends who have successfully become minimalists. Um and also the the two I can't remember their names, but the famous minimalists who have their own podcast. Yeah. I will, you can link them in here somewhere. Um <laughs> I would but, list
1: um, them, but I looked them up and then I've totally lost the document that I wrote my research <laughs> down on because that is how good we are at this podcast, guys. It's Where early
2: stages. It's early <laughs> stages. Just hang hang in here. We're going to improve the system. It will get better. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the things that uh, did come from their advice that minimalist podcast um those two guys who are fabulous at what they do uh, they mentioned a really great tip which was getting rid of items that are worth i i think it was twenty dollars or less and i think that does work for me i would even say fifty dollars or less because sometimes when things are getting up in the more pricey range you might want to resell them um however when things are kind of also you've got to think about what it is like, you know, is it a box of mugs? Who wants to really buy those? Probably, you know, look at getting rid of those first. There, There's just certain things that could be piling up, building up. You're not using them. Start with the smaller things. And that way you're starting to actually see a transformation in your storage space. So I think that is a really good, good place to start. Um, so, and I would, I would always, you know, say, try to start with the non sentimental things if you have issues with attachment and you because that's something that i struggled with quite a lot if you have that issue then try the non-sentimental stuff first so just brick brac has no meeting has just been floating around you're just keeping it because you're keeping it start with that um so start there and obviously like we just touched on try not to dump everything in the bin um obviously that is not going with the movement at all but Obviously, if something's broken and it can't be repurposed, you might have to just start throwing things out like that. So that's fair. Um, But yeah, the donating and gifting, um, selling more expensive items. So that was something for me when you were talking before about, you know, seeing old hobbies that are just kind of sitting there, you're not using any of the products, you're not engaging in that practice anymore. For me, I had a bunch of music equipment and I had a previous life of performing in a band and I had a microphone, a microphone stand, PA system. I had a lot of things like that over the years that I was really holding on to in hope of maybe going back into that, in, into that passion really, but it just felt like it wasn't going to happen. And it's something that it's that they weren't things that were really hard to find. And they were things that were like, you know, a sure mic really easy to buy one of those anytime. So I just decided to sell that. So there were lots of things that I just sold, um, straightening iron, things like that. I did sell things like that um, on marketplace and obviously for a reduced rate. So they were just going to good homes. And so, yeah, try to compartmentalize things that are things that are broken beyond repair and are rubbish, things that you can give to friends, things that if, you know, last case scenario, you think someone might buy an knob shop, take it there. Um, so that would probably be my first place to start. And then uh, really, if you get that under control and you start to really free up some space in your house or your apartment, um, then, you know, that's awesome. You've really achieved a goal there, but then you've got to really start thinking about what you're buying. So the next step, and it takes time, but you've really got to get yourself to a point where you're now going, cool, I've cleared up all of this space. This is really great now try not to impulse buy and put all of the junk back in that space that you've cleared up. Cause I think a lot of people actually do that. Um, and you think this is really cool. I can get all these new gadgets now and put them in this empty space. So um, I would recommend just trying to uphold the work that you've done and try to just enjoy having free space.
1: I think you've got to get comfortable with having a more empty space, a space that is now free mm-hmm. of some of those comforting items that you felt were making your home feel homely, you know, find your comfort instead in the fact that you have clear spaces, you have, you know, a beautiful clean slate here, and it doesn't need to be filled with junk just to make it a house or a home. A home is just, you know, where you live and where you're happy. So.
2: Totally. Yeah. And I, for me personally, I really love minimalism, uh, you know, I love the minimalist style of architecture and design. So I quite like having nothing in my environment, which some people will find sterile. So I understand that that's totally cool if you want to have things around, Mm. but you know, not to the point where you can't utilize bench space and things like that. I think when it's starting to affect your life, then that's time to start thinking about cutting down. Mm. Um, I wanted to include this really, and I can't remember where I heard it, but In the myriad of podcasts and documentaries that I've seen, uh, this wonderful quote, get rid of the things you don't need to make space for the things you love. So uh, whether that means you are about to embark on being a painter again, or you're going to set up a recording studio or whatever it might be, is if everything is, if things are standing in the way of that, and you're just like, I don't have space to do this thing I need to do, then that's an issue. So I think that's like one of the most beautiful quotes I've heard about it. Um, and really for me personally, it's about traveling long-term, obviously not right now. Um, travel is not a thing right now, but, um, will be eventually, but it's just about having as little as possible so that I can travel light. So that's for me personally, but everyone has their own motivation. Uh, there was a really incredible four corners, uh, uh, documentary a couple of years back that I watched about people who had hoarding issues and they weren't just classic hoarders they were all different types of collectors and things like that there was a woman on that segment who had not a severe hoarding issue but she just sort of like she kind of just stored lots of things in her garage constantly like she would stock up on lots of products um, and just sort of had she just sort of thought that that's what a garage was for and she had two kids and she just realized that could turn this into an awesome play space for her kids. So for her, that motivation was, I don't really need all this stuff. This is, you know, unnecessary. So she cleared that whole space out and turned it into this really cool play zone for her kids. So I thought that was really awesome. And I think one of the more inspirational examples I've heard of someone doing that, um, so I, yeah. So another tip is just have a motivation. What is the motivation? Are you overwhelmed by junk? There are people who will listen to this. who will be like, no, I love having 1 million comic books. So I hang on about- to
1: those 1 million comic books, dude. Yeah. Like, oh, All
2: good. All good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's making you happy, if it's making you happy, then yes. But if you're feeling weighed down and stressed out and you, there are things you can't do, then that's an issue. So yeah, the motivation would be to clear that stuff out so that you can then, Enjoy those activities that you're striving towards.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that um, minimalism doesn't have to mean all of you know, you go through and get rid of all of your stuff, even your favorite collections of things. I think that it can be quite flexible in that the concept is to live with less and you know, not buy needlessly in a lot of ways and be Mm -hmm. more mindful about your life. So if there is a passion that you still engage with and you still love. And it means having a large collection of something, say it's records or it's comic books, but you still love it. You still use it. Of course, there's space for that, you know, collection in your minimalism. You can look at other areas of your life where you can reduce.
2: get rid of all of the other stuff and just focus on your comic book collection. No furniture, just
1: comic books, guys. Okay. That's what you're limited to. Now. <laughs> so
2: comic, just coffee tables made out of co- comic books and you know all of that sort of stuff.
1: That would be but, cool. Yeah. I would buy a coffee <laughs> table like <laughs> that and I wouldn't need it. So I would buy it anyway. That's how good of a minimalist I am
2: wows i met this guy i met this guy at a party one time um and his him and his wife were having a debate because she was like a hardcore minimalist and he was a collector so the setup that they had was that he had a storage room that he hired that kept all of his figurines and comic books and all of this sort of thing and it was just out of control love it but this this was the agreement that they had come to so she was like all right just not in the house so Um, so yeah, I don't know. Everyone's got a different situation, but for her, she would have felt overwhelmed and anxious having that in her space. So I think in couple situations, you've got someone who wants nothing, someone that needs a lot of something else. So there's always, there needs to be compromise.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, There's always compromise in terms of, um, couples living situations. So, and it's more often the women moving towards minimalism. So, you know, it's like the women going, that is true. I want this. I want to live this kind of life, and I want to reduce what we have in our home. And it's the men going, "No, I need to hang on to this collection of trading cards that I got when I was twelve <laughs> that have moth-eaten." You know, so they you let no them behind. have that. They can stay in the corner, but you know, you make them get rid of something that's broken. I guess, yeah, it's compromise.
2: <laughs> you just gotta weigh it up. You gotta weigh. It. You gotta do the best you can, you know. But if you, if I think if your environment is hindering you or obstructing you from uh, doing something constructive that adds value and purpose to your life, then I think it's definitely time to review that. But I'm not being preachy or judgmental. I think that everyone has a totally unique setup around their, you know, environment. What makes them happy? What brings them joy, etc. But I, I'm just sharing my personal situation and. Um, I still think I have too much, which might freak a few people out, but I <laughs> would like to have less. I you know like what, I don't even
1: less. know if all of your belongings would like even, they're not even like the same size as you and you're tiny. So I, I don't That's know, it's true. weird. The amount of space that you take up in the world is very, very small. Um, it's, it's, It's it would be too much for me to be honest. I couldn't get rid of all of that, but then you're in a position, (laughs) a a position of some, some privilege in the sense that you don't have a rental where you've had to furnish that rental yourself.
2: No. So
1: you are lucky in that way.
2: Yes. And that is an ongoing choice that I would make would be to always go somewhere where it was uh, already furnished because I wouldn't want to be doing the whole buying selling furniture moving around. With and that.
1: really when so. you think about it sensibly um, I know that every time I move to a different place I need slightly different furniture because the furniture I bought fits into the place that I've got not in terms of like oh fashion wise it fits in with this no but more just like I've bought pieces that specifically in their size and shape and their functionality complement that particular living space. So when I move to another one it doesn't quite fit and I end up wanting to get slightly different furniture, which is really silly.
2: Yep. And you're just, it's wasting money and it's frustrating. It's put straight on you physically and mentally. So that's why I'm against it personally, against it for for me personally. But um, yeah, that is a whole thing. And I think when you are someone who is in the rental market and you're moving constantly, really got to think about having versatile objects and having a little bit less because if you're loading up you know two or three utes or trucks full of stuff every time um and I I, I don't know I really don't know who started this but this isn't an, obviously an ancient thing that people say is that moving is one of the most stressful things next to death and I don't know if that's true or not completely but it is. yeah it's, it definitely it's, is <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's rough because you're uprooting yourself but when you get to where like where I'm at it, it really feels like nothing. Everything I own fits in my car. So sometimes I, in the last few times that I've moved, I, I've just been like, oh, that's kind of crazy. Actually, I moved into this share house that was already furnished um, a couple of houses back. And the guy who owned the house, he was a friend of mine was was like, I'm honestly a little bit freaked out at how quickly you moved in. What, like, what do you own? <laughs> and nothing. I had to just nothing.
0: nothing. And I was like, this is all I own. Mean. And he, he was
2: really, really impressed. And he was like, I just don't know. I wouldn't know where to start to, to have that. That's, that's such a small amount of stuff. But um, it takes time.
1: It does. I mean, in a weird way, I kind of like moving. Like, obviously it's a pain to move. It's a pain to pick a place and move. But while you're packing up, what I really enjoy is putting everything together. So all items are in the correct boxes and I like packing things mm-hmm. properly and I like throwing stuff out as I go. So I guess mm-hmm. it's like a mass organization of your life and I kind of yep. enjoy that.
2: You enjoy it. There you go. Yeah.
1: I know some people weird. having,
2: some people having next level meltdowns, you're having a great time listening to Beatles <laughs> records. Yeah. <everything> <laughs> <laughs> so who knows if that saying is true or not but there you go i mean if it's causing you that much stress then i i think it's worth reviewing
1: yeah i i agree 100 percent. so
2: yeah i think that
1: that that is everything that we were going to chat about today on the minimalism uh edition of make tetris of soy thank you so much for joining us today angelique
2: Thank you so much for having me. That was really fun. It is a complex topic and we might have to break it down more in blogs and things like that, but I feel like we've covered, you know, the big guys. I think
1: you've covered like a lot of good points and it's a good introductory kind of episode for people who maybe are not into minimalism yet and they have heard about it or they're flirting with the concept. I think it's an interesting point of view, especially for someone like you who's coming at it from, to be honest, probably the more extreme end of the spectrum than a lot of minimalists who still have homes. Mm. Um,
2: totally, very extreme. I am definitely the worst case scenario type of minimalist. <laughs> Best case scenario.
1: <laughs> okay, that was Angelique talking about minimalism. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed the show this week. We're going to have an article up on the website um, with Angelique's tips for pursuing a more minimalist lifestyle. So go check that out. Uh, Click that follow button, that subscribe button, you know, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Head over there and have a chat with us. We'd love to know what you thought of this episode and of the podcast. And you can find Angelique on Instagram under Smokey Gordon. She does this amazing uh, Polaroid portrait series. And she also said she'd be happy to take a Polaroid of anyone who would like one done. So hit her up through DMs there. Um, And yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you in a week.